Like if a kid comes in and they have too much energy, blah, 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 then and they have too much. But if they're 15 years old, they're running up and down a sports field, understanding plays that are more difficult than anybody else. And now there's recruiters throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at them. Now, all of a sudden, they don't have too much energy. Your kid, that's not them, has too little energy. And now with the right. expectation is flipped. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting yeah. how we take our internal stuff and we, we put it externally. Right. You're listening to Elevating Early Childhood, where we believe in leveling the playing field and bridging the gap between the world of preschool, pre-K, and K-12 education. I'm your host, Vanessa Levin, and I went from a pre-K teacher of 20 years to a passionate advocate for high-quality early childhood education. I truly believe that the work you do, yes, you as an early childhood professional, is absolutely crucial, not just for your students, but society as a whole. I believe that you deserve to have the tools and training that you need to do your job well, so you can really embody your role as a professional educator and your students can achieve their true potential. Listen in each week as I bring you real conversations with me and other early childhood teachers and experts where our mission is to guide you on your journey to becoming the most well-equipped and highly trained professional educator you can possibly be. All while helping you teach smarter, not harder, so you can live more. And there might even be a little humor thrown in here and there just to keep things light and fun. If you'd like to get started upping your early literacy game today, check out my book, Teach Smarter, Literacy Strategies for Early Childhood Teachers on Amazon. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a child in your classroom get upset when they didn't get their own way? I thought so. I remember this one time when I had a bunch of little stuffed dogs that I was using for a small group activity. One of the little dogs was red, yes, Clifford, and the others were just regular dog colors like white and brown and black. When the kids came and sat down for the small group activity and I passed out the dogs, I bet you know what happened next, right? You guessed it. Everybody wanted a Clifford dog, and there were lots of tears and tantrums from those who did not get Clifford. It would be really easy to just say, you get what you get, and don't throw a fit, and call it a day. But if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, and if you're not, be sure to subscribe, then you probably know that that's not all there is to it. In this episode of Elevating Early Childhood, we're joined by Ron Schwali, and together we're going to explore not just what to do when your kids don't get what they want, but also our mindset around this behavior. All right, Ron, so I am excited to hear your take on this whole, if you get what you get, you don't throw a fit thing. What do you think? Well, it depends on what you're going for. I mean, if you're going for a win-lose environment where the teacher just feels like she's right and she gets that one to two second dopamine release into her body while the child gets no benefit, no love, if that's what you're going for, then it works amazingly well. If you're actually going to create a win-win environment in your classroom, eliminating things like you get what you get and you don't get upset, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, 
out of your vocabulary makes a difference so that you can actually connect with the child as opposed to not connecting them. Like, I mean, imagine if you go out to dinner, go to your favorite restaurant. Like, what's your favorite restaurant and what's your favorite meal? Oh, goodness. Um, I love Italian. So I would go to a local Italian place. My favorite meal there would be eggplant parm. That's my favorite. Got it. Okay. So after they put a whole loaf of bread in front of you that they want you to eat where no one else in the world, they would do that. You start with your loaf of bread, you put your order in, and then all of a sudden later on, everybody starts getting all their food and you have an expectation in your mind of your eggplant parm and the waiter puts in front of you a tofu Caesar salad. And you, as respectfully as possible, look at the waiter and go, yeah, that's not really what I ordered. And they go to you, you get what you get and you don't get upset. How do you feel? I would not be happy at all, Ron. <laughs> and, and is there any benefit to that statement that he or she said to you? I don't see any benefit. Right. So what happens is the waiter is right, which is a human thing that we love being right because our brain releases dopamine. We feel good for a second, but you as the customer don't get any benefit from it. Same thing when you're working with a preschool child. That child technically is your customer. So that doesn't benefit them at all. If that's what you're going for, then I would offer maybe change it because there's so many other things that I've heard working in early childhood for over 15 years that teachers say that just doesn't benefit the child at all. And it just flies out of their mouth. Right. Yeah. I I kind of think of it almost like, and this is just my opinion and in no way, shape or form is that the be all end all of anything, but get what you get and you don't throw a fit is to say, I'm right and you're wrong. And we have to do it the way I say that we do it because it's my way or the highway. Exactly. Um, I gave an example earlier, Ron, of about how I had a bunch of little stuffed doggies for like an activity we were going to do with the kids. And one was red and all the others were regular dog colors. And so how do you think that went over with them? <laughs> I want Clifford. I want Clifford. Yes. How did you know? Yeah, exactly. How did I know? How many red dogs are there? <laughs> yeah. So that didn't work out so well. And I could have gone one of two ways. I could have said, you get what you get. I'm and you don't throw a fit or something else. And I just feel like, oh, my first feeling when they said that to me was like, I want Clifford was like, oh, I made a really big mistake here. I never thought about that. I was just so focused on the activity. Like that was my bad. And I'm never going to do that again. You know, that was like a learning moment for me, but I could have just railroaded over them and just said, basically shut up. I I guess. I don't know that that would have solved the problem because tomorrow we'd still have the fight, right? I don't know. Well, that, that that's a beautiful thing. You actually saw yourself in the moment about to, if you were going to say you get what you get and you don't get upset, you know, that's not going to benefit the child. So you did an amazingly beautiful thing, which was interrupt the pattern that a lot of people have. So if you actually realize you're doing it, like if I do a a training or a keynote or I'm at a conference and I introduce somebody to you get what you get and you don't get upset or what are some of the other things I hear people say, no, thank you. No, thank you. And the kids looking at you like, no, thank you. What you like? No, thank you. No. And you're like, no, thank you. What? Like what? Like, like what's the communication there? It's, it's not benefiting the child at all. And you're just doing exactly what it is. You're being right about it because we've been taught to believe that we're the teacher and we're right because we're taller. We have a degree on the boss on this and that. And, and none of that has anything to do with helping the children. It's just all our own ego and our own past and our trauma that's bubbling up when it comes to this three-year-old that is just, you know, doing what they do. I think that 
it also seems dismissive to me of like, I have a job to do here and this stuff that you're doing down here, this, you know, crying and whining or whatever you want to call it, meltdown tantrum, isn't part of the job, you know, when in fact, it's probably more important than the activity I was going to do with the dog. They have to regulate their response, right? What do you do? Like, instead of seeing it as like, a, oh, I didn't get the dog and now she's going to tell me to be quiet. What do you do if you do get something that you don't want? How do you deal with disappointment? How do you uh, deal with conflict? Like, that is where we should go in that moment, I think. Like, this is what we do. Go ahead. You said it. You said it. You just said the word. You said that's where we should go. How do we deal with that disappointment? By really understanding where the disappointment comes from. And we've been taught to believe that the disappointment comes from external. We didn't get this. I didn't get the job that I wanted. It's too much traffic. They said this. They said that. And unfortunately, to most human beings that don't understand how the brain really works, that's not how it happens. See, you said the word should. When you say the word should, you're creating an expectation in your mind. Our brain says he should be this way. I should have more computer time. I, he should do this. All you're doing is your brain is making up a story. And then for some reason, you've been taught to believe that what your brain says is the truth. And then right. you create an expectation for another person. Teachers create expectations that the parents are going to pick their kids up on time. Parents create expectations. <laughs> Expectations that the teachers will teach the kids rules, structure, and discipline so that they're magically going to go home and be like the kids from uh, Sound of Music. Hello, mother. Hello, father. May I do the chores today? You know what? I'll read myself a bedtime story. Uh, you know, And then they just go off and sing like, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. It's just the thing that, that it gets us upset. If a teacher creates an expectation that a child is going to be a certain way because they should be a certain way, when that child in reality isn't the way that the teacher's brain said they should, the teacher doesn't know, hold on a second, I create an expectation that this child is going to be this way. I sabotage my own happiness Mm -hmm. instead of taking the word should in the sentence, we put the word could. So when we say that child should be sitting crisscross applesauce on the rug, but they're laying on their belly. Well, that child could be sitting crisscross applesauce on the rug and they're laying on their belly, but it seems like they're actually paying attention more. Well, that child should want to share. Well, that's an expectation I created. I don't want to share things in my life. Why we teach kids that sharing is something that has to happen is absolutely insane to me. So instead we can go, well, instead of that kid should share and you get what you get and you don't get upset. What if we went, well, that kid could share. Now, how do I create a teachable moment that is win-win so they can see that when they share with their friend, the joy the happiness that that child looks and going, thank you for sharing that with me. And then that child will get the dopamine that the teacher gets when she feels like she's right. That child will feel good intrinsically and see it externally. And then maybe in the future, they may want to go, you know what? I want to feel good about myself again. I'm going to go share. And then they turn out to be someone 20, 30 years from now who programs themselves to be a philanthropist. That's amazing. I love that. Let's follow that thread for a little bit. Like with the Clifford dog. So I think every time I tell people the story about the Clifford dog, before I get to the, this is what happened, they were all like, oh, I knew that was exactly where this was going. Sometimes they'll even say it before I get there. You know, so what would, what would a conversation look like with a child then? And if, if indeed I gave everyone their dog and one child got the red one and the other child didn't, 
and the other, let's say there's five kids in my group. The other four kids are all like, what? I need it. That's my turn. And there's crying from one and, you know, stomping off from another. What would the words be that I would say to them if I did indeed reframe my thinking to say, okay, Mm -hmm. I need to do this differently? First thing I would say to every single kid that whines, that cries, that throws a fit, I would say to them, it's okay for you to be any way that you're being. Because sometimes as we see kids that are upset or crying or any way other than being jovial and happy, our brain tells us we need to fix this situation, right. whether we want to yes. stop or whether there's a tour coming or licensing's coming or whatever it is. So just letting the kids know, listen, the way that you feel right now, if you want to scream and you're upset because you didn't get what you wanted, totally valid. When you're done, I'm going to explain it. Or while you're crying and upset, I'm going to explain to everybody else why I did it this way. And then you can listen or not. Because you're going to see some kids go, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Second. Listening to this actually benefits me more. Oh, you're done. Okay. Oh, and scene. <laughs> and then they just go right back to it. And then De Niro and uh, Mel Streep are created again. First of all, I figure out, well, if there's five kids that want it, how much time? I, I mean, you want to talk realistic. How much time do we have? For the five kids to have it. So do they have 20 minutes? Well, each one gets it for four minutes. And now what I do is, okay, so you see how this clock is over here. So now when it gets to this dot, then it's your turn. Now when it gets to this dot, then it's your turn. Mm -hmm. So now you have four kids. All they're doing is they're super engaged on the clock just to make sure that it's their turn. If that's something that's interested. Now, in reality, are all the kids going to be still staring at the clock when it's 16 minutes to go or 12 minutes ago? Or is one of the other kids going, I like the red. I want the clear. Ooh, I'm at the water table and just totally just forget about it. But just in that moment, they express themselves. And Mm -hmm. I love the fact that they express themselves. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you have to address every single child, just like any adult that comes up to you with a concern, a complaint. You don't have to address that. You choose to if you want to. It's it's okay. You know, it's okay to have these feelings. It's that's I get it. You know, the first thing that happened to me in my brain when the kids were doing that was. Oh, yeah, I would be mad too, right? Right. You know, yeah. I would not be happy with that. For me, I might say, um, I see why you feel that way, you know, and just acknowledge it. And it's hard when we don't get something we want. Ever find yourself dreading the school bell? No, not the one in the morning. I'm talking about the afternoon. You know, the bell that lets you know your littles are gone for the day and you can get back to that mountain of planning and prep work on your desk. After that staff meeting, of course. Some things are just unavoidable for early ed teachers, just like those pesky staff meetings. But being overworked and overwhelmed doesn't have to be part of the job. Not if you've got the right combination of knowledge, curriculum, and support. That's where the Teaching Trailblazers program comes in. It's the program for pre-K teachers who want to bring their A-game to their students and still have a life. Go to teachingtrailblazers.com to apply today. Sometimes I would tie it back to my dog. I don't I don't know why, but kids love animals. So I share stories about my pets all the time in the classroom. Right? Love <laughs> they it, just love it. They seem to love it. And so they knew that my dog's name was Lucky. And so I might say something like, you know, when Lucky doesn't get what he wants, he sometimes will bite. And so the way that I do that is to make to make sure that when it's time for, you know, Lucky, and I kind of use Lucky as an example. 
You know what I mean? And then try to show them how Lucky solved or I helped Lucky solve his problem. And so maybe in your case, we can try, you know what I mean? Just bringing it home to something like really concrete, which I think you did with the clock. I think that's great. I just refuse to lie to kids. I mean, when I have my kids, they're, they're sorry, but hey, there ain't no Santa Claus. There ain't no Easter Bunny. <laughs> there, there's no Tooth Fairy, nothing. Other people are going to make up stories just like everybody else with. And this is the reality. And, you know, doesn't mean you can't go to a Christmas party and have some really great food and and believe and give gifts. But, you know, it's it's just right. I, I, I prefer to be honest and give them real life solutions. That's why like right. when I'm working with K-12 and doing my bullying work, I'm really talking to kids directly right. as opposed to, you yeah. know, giving them silliness to won't help them. Yeah, because we can say how great it is to do all this. Right. You know, oh, we need to change our mindset. And we need to approach it a different way. But how would a teacher get started? Maybe because I think that it's one thing, you know, to take the dog scenario again, I hate to use it again, but, mm -hmm. you know, if, if indeed somebody out there was like, oh, the next time I use plush dogs with my kids, I'm going to make sure they're all the same color, you know, so I don't do what Vanessa did. But we have to make sure that people can do that in all the different areas of their day, right? Because chances are that you're going to use stuffed dogs of different colors. You know, that's yeah, just always. one example. How, right. how would you help teachers see that in all areas of their day? Kind of reframe their mindset, if you will, if indeed this is something that they do. I'm not saying that everyone does this, or I'm not saying that you're bad if you do this either, because those words have certainly come out of my mouth before <laughs> in the heat of the moment, right? So what do you I think? <laughs> I, I think, first of all, it's discovering just being able to be present to some of the behaviors or some of the things that you say that come out of your mouth that just don't benefit the kids and don't make a difference. And it's repetitive. I mean, 85, 90% of our day, we run subconscious, uh, you know, automatic programs. So if you all of a sudden go, you get what you, and then you go, oh, okay. <laughs> or like you said, you know, all of a sudden you have these dogs and oh, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh wait, Vanessa. So then it's just being aware, catching yourself saying things that don't make sense. Like how many times have you ever heard somebody uh, in early childhood go, are you being a good listener? Why don't you have <laughs> your listening ears on? And that's so confusing. I don't understand where that came from because mm -hmm. I look at some of these kids and they look at the teachers confused. Like, why do you think, why do you say that? I'm listening to you all the time. I even hear you when you're in the corner of the classroom where the camera can't see you while you're texting and, and talking on the phone when you're not supposed, like I see you all the time. I hear you. So it's so noticing your patterns. Like now if someone's watching this and they go, why aren't you being a good list? And then they go, oh, wait a minute. I saw the podcast and they're always listening. I've been programmed to say, why aren't you being a good listener? Maybe now they said, they go, why aren't you following my directions? Like how many people have somebody at home that they say doesn't listen to them? And if you really <laughs> think about it, they listen to you all the time, probably because you follow them from room to room to room to room. They're always listening to you. They're just choosing not to do what you want them to do because it doesn't benefit them. The first thing is just to realize when that's about to come out of your mouth, go, oh, and just interrupt your own pattern. Maybe even take a breath. Like I teach something called cold breathing, where you keep your tongue behind the back of your bottom teeth and you suck air through a straw. You go like this. And what it does is it brings cold air into your body and it tricks your brain into relaxing. So the first thing I would recommend is actually catching yourself in the patterns that you say 
that don't create win-win. If you're a co-teacher in a classroom and you actually have a real conversation with that person going, listen, I want win-win. It doesn't benefit us to do this and that. When you see me say one of these four things or when you see me do the same behavior and just noticing when you say things that don't benefit you, like if you're on a diet, you know getting a whole pie and bringing it to your house is whether it's a cherry pie or a pizza pie, you know it's not going to do it. But if you always have pizza Wednesday night, catching yourself going, oh, wait, I'm on a diet. I'm committed to this. I'm not going to have pizza on Wednesday night. Okay. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, how did I even get to the pizzeria? And now maybe you just go down to the salad place or you get something healthier. Breaking that pattern is the first step to being able to do anything when it comes to changing your mindset or somebody else's. I really like how you went there with the breathing thing, because that's what something you and I talked about in previous mm-hmm. conversations was your work yes. uh, with breathing. And I think, so important. yeah, I think that's really helpful to just take a breath when children are challenging <sighs> us, <laughs> right? right? When they when they challenge us, just take a breath because you know that you're going to need that extra breath <laughs> in the next step. Yeah, or two, or two, or two. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the interesting part is that because a lot of people don't know that when you're about to handle a situation with a child and it's going to be win-lose, your brain that handles the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn reflex, that turns on and unleashes certain chemicals into your body. If you take two breaths, it oxygenates your brain, it turns that part off, and a different part of your brain starts going, and that's more where the decision-making happens, so now you're not all stressed out. Those two breaths will literally make it difference between you having a great conversation with the child or you just being right and shutting that child down. So I'm glad that you brought the breath part up because it's so important. Unbelievably important. I mean, any decision, whether it's working with the child or somebody cuts you off, if you're about to go run up their bumper instead of like that going, hmm, maybe I don't want to smash into their bumper and raise my insurance for three years. And then all of a sudden you make a different decision. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. I, I think that is, it's true in in life and in the classroom. I have been known, Ron, this will be shocked to you to not always be the most patient person when I'm behind the wheel. (laughs) What? You're a human living in America? What? That's crazy. (laughs) I know. And so sometimes if I'm at the wheel and my husband is in the car with me and I Mm -hmm. maybe make a you know, just a simple gesture with my hand, maybe, um, you know, my husband gets really upset with me because mm-hmm. he says, you're going to get arrested. And I'm like, you can't arrest me for doing that. But anyway, that's my instinct. You know, I need to okay. remember to take that breath in my personal life too. It makes a huge difference, especially I've noticed that um, if I treat adults as preschool kids, I have a <laughs> lot more patience with them. My expectations are out the window, especially like when I'm through the drive through and they're not like giving me, like I asked for five ketchup packets and I get two and I go, okay, I literally want to spend like, okay, now two minus five (laughs) is three. And they look at me like it's their ketchup that they brought from home. And I literally have to go, okay, all right. So they're just like that. You get what you get. And you know, if it's like, do I, and then I I go into my behavior mastery program. I go, do I want two or do I want five? I like the way you gave that person five. I love the way you gave. And then all of a sudden I get five and they're sitting there going like, what just happened? I'm like, um, I just, you know, I just, Treated you like a three-year-old, then you did what I wanted. And you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Just validating kids' feelings, I think, is so important because Absolutely. if we don't, and if we continue to send the message of you 
can't be upset. I don't know what that will set us up for in the future with any I can tell you. child. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you. it's. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, but growing up as a male, I was told I'm only allowed to be a certain way. I'm only allowed to be mad. I'm only allowed to be angry. Don't you dare be sad or cry, especially in front of other men. Or So you're shamed into being a certain way. My sister, seven years younger, was allowed to be sad or upset. But if you're mad, if you're hysterical, then, then men get triggered by that and other people with with external with internal trauma get triggered and they get upset so literally our society is mm -hmm. what could possibly happen because you're told to suppress it you're told to push it down emotions are energy in motion if you push it down like we've been programmed with with you know do this eat this pill and drink this and blah 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 and zone out on tv you don't connect with yourself these emotions stay stuck and then we create dis-ease inside of us where if you let the emotions come out like you're talking about and just being okay with being any way that you want. Like I do a lot of scream therapy. I mean, I'll grab onto, if I feel something inside, I'll grab onto a pillow. I take a breath. Ah! And sometimes I'll go 10 seconds. Sometimes that triggers something even more. I'll go a minute and a half of just crying and sobbing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, hmm, I wonder what that was. And it's just stuck energy that's inside us that if we release that and then we model it for the kids, then they'll actually learn when I have stuck energy, when I'm upset, when I'm sad, when I'm mad, here's the karate center. Here's the, st and here's where we hit the pads. Okay. Here's this station where I grab onto a pillow and I scream. Here's this station that has a towel, a lot of tissues, because this is where I can sit and think about things that make me sad and cry it out so that these emotions don't stay stuck. So you hit it spot on. If it continues in this vein, we might end up in that place that you described. I think that's really yeah. important because I think of the people that I know personally in life who, you know, are completely cool as cucumbers 99.9% .9 of the time. But then there's that 0.1% where mm -hmm. they've just had it and they get really like outbursts, you know what I mean? And so we have to remember too, that it's not misbehavior. Like it's just kids being kids, right? It's, it's not, there's, yeah, yeah it's there's just no good. There's no bad. It's just behavior. It's the teacher's brain that goes, well, that's good based on my expectation. And that's bad. Like if a kid comes in and they have too much energy, blah, 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 then and they have too much. But if they're 15 years old, they're running up and down a sports field, understanding plays that are more difficult than anybody else. And now there's recruiters throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at them. Now, all of a sudden, they don't have too much energy. Your kid, that's not them, has too little energy. And now with the expectation is flipped. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting yeah. how we take our internal stuff and we, we put it external. Right. And I think, too, that, you know, I'm just thinking of, and again, from my own experience, my brother, when he was in kindergarten, was failed because he couldn't sit still and listen. Hmm. But I've never met anyone who listens to every single thing more carefully than my brother. Like he could be, you know, off in the corner doing his thing, like you said, and yeah. re repeat word for word what you just said over here. He was right. an excellent listener. He just didn't do it in the way that his teacher or school expected him to. You know, it was like... Right. 
Yeah, I, I have a team building workshop that literally it's called listening to understand because we're trained to listen to respond where one person does a 90 second story while the other person is just supposed to sit there quietly and look forward. No asking questions, no responding, no, no nodding anything. And then I have a conversation and the people telling the story are like, well, they weren't listening. They weren't nodding. They weren't asking questions. They weren't doing all the things that I do. And then I say, great. Now you have 45 seconds, the other person, tell them their story back. And now in 45 seconds, that person tells them like 90% of their story. As I watch faces going like that, I'm like, yeah, they were exactly what you said. They were listening. They're just not doing what you want them to do. So your brain will stop you from finishing the story. And they'll go like, why'd you stop? And you're just like, well, you didn't ask questions. They're like, well, I don't do that. That's rude. And your brain's like, I don't understand what just happened. Ron, I think you and I are kindred spirits here, and um, I don't think this is the last time our audience will see you. No spoilers here, but just saying. I I know that there are folks watching this right now who really were nodding along like I was, and um, if they want to learn more about how to connect with you and more about all the wonderful work you do, where would you point them and what direction should they go to to connect with you? I would point them towards uh, two websites. One is ronspeak.com, R-O-N-S-P-E-A-K.com, which is my website with all my trainings and keynotes and assembly programs. Um, And then if you want to just enjoy content uh, for kids, whether it's yogarati videos to teach them how to strengthen their bodies and stretch, or whether it's just parts of my workshops or trainings, uh, go to ronschwalisyoutube.com and it's, or just look up my name on YouTube and you'll find me. S-H-U-A-L-I. And uh, thousands of videos are on there. Yes. I got to know you through your videos and I really like the work you do. For those of you out there watching, Ron has some great videos of him actually working with children. And I know that's really important to our viewers and our listeners. So check those out. And um, Ron, I would love to thank you for joining us today. And I appreciate you asking. Thank you. And thank all of you out there listening and watching. Until next time, I'm Vanessa Levin, and this is Ron Schwali. If you love what you've learned in this episode, you've got to come check out the Teaching Trailblazers program. Teaching Trailblazers is the place for teachers like you to get the professional development, resources, and support you need to thrive. It's where you can learn relevant, life-changing best practices with professional development created specifically around the challenges early childhood teachers face. It's where you can get access to a complete research-based pre-K curriculum that you can use to supplement your existing curricula or use on its own to get 100% of your students kindergarten ready by the end of the year. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things early childhood with other teachers just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will rock your teacher world, I guarantee it. Come join us at teachingtrailblazers.com to get more information and apply. That's teachingtrailblazers.com. I can't wait to see you there.